Ready to break free from algorithms, vanity PR, and money-sucking ads? My name's Larissa Worstiak, and I've learned in seven years of jewelry marketing that content is the crown jewel. My agency, Joy Joya, takes a holistic approach, leading with laser-focused storytelling, impactful content creation, and strategic content distribution. This method has worked for the solopreneur, as well as the multi-million dollar company. And now I'm sharing these systems and tactics with you. Here's to standing out in a sea of sparkle. This is episode 227. And today I'm gonna explain to you how you can be a better brand storyteller for your jewelry business. In the last episode, 226, I introduced you to branding for jewelry businesses, why it matters now more than ever, how you can build a legacy brand, and more. I mentioned that having a strong brand has so much to do with inspiring emotion in your target customers, connecting with them beyond the superficial, and building an enduring bond. So how do you not only evoke emotion, but also keep someone interested for the long term? Storytelling is the key. So keep listening or watching for why are stories so powerful? What are the opportunities in storytelling for jewelry brands? What shapes do stories take? And how can you be a better storyteller no matter what kind of resources you have available? If you didn't already listen to 225, You should know that I debuted an exciting new direction for this podcast, as well as a free program that will help you kick off 2023 with all the resources you'll need to make this a banner year. 225 was kind of the welcome to that, and this is a subsequent lesson in the program. To give you a brief recap, from now through early July of this year, I'll be rolling out this free six-month podcast-guided program called Jewelry Marketing Jumpstart. It will involve weekly audio and video lessons here on the podcast, as well as companion PDF downloads for each new episode. If you want to sign up right away, get those companion PDFs for each episode, visit joyjoya.com slash jump. And I'll put the link in the show notes as well. But before we get to the solid gold, I'd like to take a moment to remind you that this podcast has both audio and video. So you can either listen on your favorite podcast platform or watch on YouTube by searching Joy Joya. You can support the podcast for free by taking the time not only to subscribe, but also to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I want to read my favorite review of the week. Kayla Williams one says, I first started with reading her book, Jewelry Marketing Joy, then followed that with listening to the podcast. Larissa gives valuable insight that is both attainable and easy to understand. Thank you very much for that review. If you leave one, I might read it on a future episode. So please let me know what you think about this episode or about any other major takeaways you've had recently. Okay, my sparklers, let's get to the next installment of Jewelry Marketing Jumpstart, and it's all about telling a better story for your jewelry brand. In the last episode, I gave that general overview of brand identity, and in this one, I'm going to focus specifically on storytelling. 
If you want to download the companion PDF worksheet for this episode, as well as all the future ones to come through July, you can visit joyjoya.com slash jump for that exclusive hookup and think of them as your roadmap to growth for 2023. Okay, so first we should talk about why your story is so powerful and why should you care? Like, why is this a thing you need to pay attention to, invest in, spent time doing? So storytelling often gets dismissed as this like wimpy, soft skill, something that's like reserved for children's bedtimes. You know what I mean? But knowing how to tell a strong, compelling story is ultimately what separates the forgettable brands from the legends. Think about your own experience with stories, especially as they relate to to learning new things and to how you make memories. So for me personally, I really hated history class in high school, in middle school, basically always. So even though we were reading about history in a textbook and it was in this kind of narrative form, I dreaded memorizing this information. I had trouble retaining it. But then at the same time, I enjoy nonfiction. I've read plenty of nonfiction books that many of which are mostly driven by history. And I love them. I'm able to retain the information. I feel immersed in it, even about topics that I wouldn't have thought that I would care about. So having those two experiences really hits that home for me. I'm reading this book right now called The Cartiers, that an untold story of the family behind the jewelry empire is all about the history of the Cartier family, including the history of places like Paris. And it's all super compelling to me. I'm turning the pages quickly. So what's the difference between my experience in history class being bored out of my mind and really struggling versus my experience reading a nonfiction book like one about the Cartier family? Story is the difference. Many times when something's presented to us as clear cut, dry, factual information, it's more difficult to retain. And we even have trouble feeling invested in or interested in it. And that's how your customers may feel when they visit your product page and all you're offering them is a bulleted list with a bunch of technical specs. There's no connection. There's no stickiness. But when something has a story attached to it, one that's driven by human emotion, then we're more likely to relate and connect to it, feeling compelled to pay attention and even to remember, and in a best case scenario, to share it with others. Don't believe me and my own personal experience. There have been numerous studies done on this subject. For one, researchers at the London School of Business found that people only retain five to 10% of information if it consists of statistics alone. But when they hear it presented as a story, they remember 65 to 75%. Okay, so now that you're totally convinced about the power of storytelling, I want to talk about the opportunities in storytelling specifically for jewelry brands. So to build on what I just mentioned about the importance of stories, if you want to stand out in a sea of sparkle 
and be a memorable, legendary jewelry brand, then you need to start getting comfortable with storytelling. That's how your customers are going to recall you and how they're going to learn more about what you offer and what you're all about. In storytelling, you're also creating a human connection and truly reminding your customers that there are people behind the business. Oftentimes in jewelry, there are makers, designers, creatives behind the business. And this is so especially important if you are an e-commerce first brand or you primarily sell through digital platforms. Storytelling is also a way to inspire people. Do you feel tired of just selling at people all the time? Storytelling can inspire your target customers to buy instead, and you won't even feel like you have to quote unquote sell hard to get people to buy into your products. Storytelling is also one of the most tangible ways to control the way you want your brand to be perceived and digested. Since you're able to control that messaging and ensure it's consistently being presented in front of your target customers. It's also especially perfect for jewelry brands because as we all know in this industry and love, jewelry often has so much emotion tied to it. Jewelry is for sure not a necessity. People buy jewelry because they want to do things like express love, remember a person or a special moment. They want to feel status or luxury. They want to feel pretty or cool. And there's so many other reasons. It's kind of endless, all the emotional reasons that people may buy a piece of jewelry. So story plus emotion plus jewelry are just kind of a natural fit altogether. Also, people love retelling great stories they've encountered in the world. So if your jewelry brand has a story that's so amazing that people will want to share it, then you've really found yourself in a golden place. Word of mouth marketing alone will lead you to success. So in order to create and share a great story, you have to really be familiar with all the different shapes that stories can take. And I think it's hard for people to imagine what stories can look like since many of us hear the word story and we think of like Mother Goose or fables from when we were a kid. The word story can definitely have this like diminutive, diminutive, like little kid kind of connotation because that's what we do when we're kids. We tell stories, we listen to stories, we share stories, we learn from stories. And the word story is typically associated with the written word, but it's not exclusive to the written word. So I really want you to expand your definition of storytelling and start having fun with it. So stories can definitely be written either short form or long form. They can be as short as a sentence or as long as like a 1500 word plus deep dive blog post or some other type of written content. They can be visual, you know, as they say, even a picture is worth a thousand words. So when you have photography for your business or you're planning your next photo shoot, think about not just how pretty 
or visually on brand it can look, but how can it truly tell a story? Maybe not every single image you ever share has to be telling this like epic story, but many of them should, and that story should have a through line. It should have consistency. There's also audio and spoken word storytelling, which doesn't have to have text or images attached to it. It's easy to consume and digest, and it's relatively inexpensive to create. That's a type of storytelling that I think not a lot of brands are doing. And then, of course, there's video content, which could be short form, long form, can be live, can be recorded. And as we know from social media, Instagram, TikTok, video is one of the most compelling forms of storytelling, especially in our present digital age today. So there are tons of opportunities to do storytelling in video, and they don't have to be highly produced as long as they're authentic, entertaining, value-driven, informative, etc. And then all types of other social media posts, like all the different formats on these social media platforms, they all offer their own venues for storytelling. So it's about getting creative with using these formats and finding out how to translate what it is you really want to say into the medium that makes sense for you. So how can you start becoming a better storyteller today for your jewelry business, no matter where you are in your journey or what kind of resources you have available? First, you definitely need to get in touch with your business's values, mission, and purpose. Just like with any good story, think about your favorite book, your favorite movie, your favorite TV show. Most of them are compelling or they tug on your heartstrings because of the characters. So for your story, you need to consider who those characters are. Is your business the character in its own story? Is a founder or design, designer the hero or the main character? Are you making the customers the main characters in the story? And what, what roles do each of these characters play? You want to make sure that there's personality infused into the story, as well as the tone and the voice in which it's being told, no matter what medium you're using to tell that story. Be as authentic and transparent as possible. And that story should be meaningful and personal. I think a big mistake with storytelling is that, especially brands, they try to overcomplicate it. They feel like they need to, I don't know, uh, make up for something that they're lacking or to really like get their customers' attention by adding all of these details, making it so multifaceted. But actually keeping it simple overall is the best. Don't be afraid to linger on those important details, but keep like the overarching structure very simple so that it's easy to communicate. Like as they say, have that elevator pitch. Can your story be told like during an elevator ride if you distilled it down to its simplest parts? Don't tell many different stories and really be consistent with that one story that you tell. You also may want to consider getting familiar with common story arcs because people in the world over 
centuries and centuries of storytelling have been telling the same kind of structured stories, all with some element of conflict. Conflict is what makes stories the most compelling. So some of these arcs are things like overcoming adversity, a rags to riches story, a long journey story, a comedic journey. There's all kinds of ways to tell a story. And you may even want to study some of your own favorite fiction stories as well as brand stories to see how they're like taking advantage of these elements. Regardless of what you choose, the art should really help the customer see themselves in a way or be able to relate to the brand or to the stories being told around the products. At the end of the day, all this needs to do is evoke emotion. So if it feels too complicated to like follow my tips or do these things, then just try to come up with something that you think will tug at your target customer's heartstrings. You can test this story on people you think would purchase from your brand. How do they feel when you share your story? And also always be asking yourself, why do I want to be telling this story? Do I have a reason for it? And what do I want my customers to feel? Is there a disconnect between that or is there alignment? So what do you think about that? Does that make you feel a little more comfortable about exploring the story that you're telling? You can visit joyjoya.com for more actionable tips about telling your story and my guidance for doing so. Okay, so before we get into the gold mine, as well as my jewelry marketing news roundup, I want to share a case study of a jewelry brand that I think embodies everything I just spoke about. So these are my thoughts about how I'd apply the lesson in the wild. Disclaimer, this brand is not a current client, just one I admire and study and want to share with you. So the brand that I want to highlight today is Alex Monroe a London-based jewelry brand that's inspired by nature and founder Alex's nostalgia of roaming the countryside as a child. The jewelry is, quote, made to be loved and made to be treasured, according to the About Us page. When I sat down to prepare this episode and asked myself the question, hmm, which jewelry brand should I highlight as an example of storytelling? I have to be honest with you, Alex Monroe was the first one that popped into my mind because I think their consistency and commitment to their storytelling is so inspiring and a great model for all brands. They're truly committed to their point of view and they're not afraid to amplify it through their stories, both written and visual. So the story that they want their customers to experience, at least from the way I see it, is one of like inviting their customers to frolic with them in an English garden or an open field with, with wide wildflowers, completely innocent, carefree, like a child. So there's this element of nostalgia as well. This is extremely specific, but Alex Monroe as a brand has managed to build a strong identity out of this story. It connects with their customers' own, own fond memories of innocence and freedom and being carefree. 
Of course, the products also tell this story. They utilize a lot of floral motifs, leaves, insects, birds, other animals, more things from nature. But the language, as well as the imagery, also kind of propel this story forward. The collections have names like A Garden Gathering, Golden Harvest, and The Beehive. And I noticed on their e-commerce site, they have a call to action to invite visitors to sign up for the email list. And they say, join our hive. So even the smallest details like this, these little tiny vine animations on the website are another thing I noticed. They all seek to move the story forward. And the same is true for their social media presence. They're already talking about how they're looking forward to spring and the flowers blossoming. So it's all completely consistent. The About Us page on their website shows this really beautiful widescreen photo of Alex Monroe himself sitting in a field of wildflowers and sketching a design in his notebook. And I love the specificity and brevity of his story. I'll just read you a quote because I think it's really um, illustrates the point I'm trying to make. So jeweler Alex Monroe grew up in the 1970s Suffolk countryside in an old crumbling house surrounded by wild, tangled nature. He enjoyed a childhood rich with freedom in imagination, roaming through fields, forests, and rivers, and constantly crafting all sorts of interesting and sometimes mildly dangerous tools and inventions to accompany him on his adventures. Can't you see that being pulled out of a novel as like a description of a character or like within the first 50 pages to kind of like set the mood? And that's really what I encourage you to do in a way with your brand story. Like, can, can this be epic, interesting, and compelling enough to be in like a best-selling novel. Furthermore, I think this brand really has put thought into how the story resonates in the greater scheme of the world. So they have this section on their website called Our Ethos, and it says, Alex has always been mindful of the impact of his work in the jewelry industry as a whole, recognizing, addressing, and managing the environmental and social impacts of our business with a balance of positive action has remained huge, has remained huge, of huge importance to us all. So that is a little more cut and dry and factual, but it's a really great complement to this more creative way that they're talking about the brand. And it's reflective of the values that are like the consistent detail through all of it, because they are really concerned about their environmental impact. As a brand that's inspired by nature, I would sure hope so, you know? So I think that that is an important element, even though it might not be as like cool or glamorous, it, it tracks basically. So which jewelry brand do you think is leveraging storytelling to its fullest potential you can visit joyjoya.com jump for more resources on this topic, as well as access to future resources that will be released every week. All right, so let's move into the gold mine segment. This week's topic is all about why having questions in marketing 
is sometimes more valuable than having answers to those questions all right away. Okay. Does this make you feel better about your own questions that you have in your business? So last year in 2022, I was working with a business coach who showed me a lot of possibilities for my business, for my marketing and sales processes, and introduced a lot of new concepts to me. At the time, I think he was kind of just trying to show me what was possible or where I should be aiming to go. I probably was not ready for all of this information because I needed to like take it back five steps and do that before I could accelerate to where he was encouraging me to be. But I feel like just knowing some of this information really kind of cracked my brain open to see what was possible and make me hopeful for where I wanted to go. So in that way, it was really positive. But on the other hand, it caused me a lot of anxiety and stress to know about some of these things because I logistically had no idea how to wrap my head around the concepts that he was sharing with me or even to implement them. They felt a little bit out of reach, even though my business coach was super patient with me, guided me through a lot of these things. It kind of felt to me like, let's go back to the being in school example that I shared earlier. It's like you're at a basic addition and subtraction class and your teacher is telling you, oh, one day you're going to be in like advanced trigonometry and starting to like show you the textbook and you're still like here and they're telling you that one day you're going to get there. But basically that stuff looks like a foreign language to you. Like you don't even know how one day you're going to understand that. That's how I kind of felt with some of these things in my business. Like I was here. They were showing me something way ahead of my current situation. But me being like an ambitious perfectionist was putting a lot of pressure on myself to understand the there and putting a lot of pressure to accelerate my journey and my path there and trying to like catch up and get all this stuff done so that I can make it to the place that looked like this (laughs) shiny, like shiny castle on a hill and I could see it in the distance, but I couldn't really understand how to carve the path up the hill to get to that place. So for the first few months of the year, I really beat myself up for not understanding everything and having all the answers. And reflecting back on that time, I was just so rigid because I had my head down focused like I need to get to that place. I need to understand what he's talking about. I like if he's telling me this is possible, it's possible. And why am I not there tomorrow or even next week? I thought surely if I'm learning something this, if I'm learning this now, of course, shouldn't I be able to absorb it right away and like immediately apply it? I think being in school makes us think that that's the reality because you go to a class, you learn a lesson, you study it, you take a test or quiz, and you pretty much kind of know how to do something, at least on the most basic level. But I think in business, 
if you're an entrepreneur, you're figuring things out as you go, even more broadly in life, you can learn about something or learn about the existence of something and still not really understand how it applies to you and how to fully execute on it, like the way you might in school. That's super frustrating. You can sort of understand something in theory, but you just don't get the practice. It seems too abstract. I'm mostly just sharing this story because I want to ask you, do you ever feel in your business and your marketing like you know about the possibility of something, but you're not quite sure yet how it practically applies to you and your situation? And you're even at a point maybe where you don't know how to get to the place where it will finally make sense to you. I want to embrace the beauty of questioning and figuring things out because I don't want you to be like me and beat yourself up because you're not there tomorrow. I invite you to try to not answer the questions all at once immediately because sometimes it's just just not possible. Sometimes you actually have to live a little and go through certain experiences, maybe even change your mindset, maybe even gain some confidence, maybe even have some interactions before on any planet it would be possible to know the answer to that question. So it's not you, it's the fact that time needs to pass for you to get to a place where it will make sense and you can finally have that growth that you see in the distance. With marketing especially, you could know something is not working. You could have guesses about why it's not working and you can have theories about how it could be better. And perhaps even you and your team can't quite figure it out and it's frustrating how much you're trying to push through it. But more and more in marketing, in business, in life, I'm embracing that awareness is sometimes good enough in all you can do right now. Awareness rather than denial, ignoring, putting things off is the first step to know that something's off or could be better. But then also having awareness and not thinking you need an answer or solution right away. Of course, maybe there is a quick answer. You should seek it and see if there is a possibility to answer something or address something quickly. But not everything can be solved and figured out in an instant. And the trick is to be comfortable with just having the awareness to keep it top of mind, to keep exploring in that direction with confidence and as much as you can without anxiety or fear. And that way, you'll eventually find one day that it's no longer even a question or a conundrum anymore because you will have discovered the answer simply by having moved forward with intention and awareness. And the waiting, as hard as it can be, the waiting to get to the point where it finally makes sense will actually give you more clarity in the long run if you try to fix or address things right away before you were actually ready to do so. Because in that time, circumstances may change, things may evolve, 
new information might come forward, etc. So let me know in a YouTube comment or a podcast review if you can relate to this. Do you often find yourself putting pressure on yourself to figure things out right away? Or do you have the patience to move forward while the answer slowly reveals itself to you? All right, let's talk about some news related to jewelry or marketing. And if you want the links to these articles, check out the show notes. So the first article comes from payments.com and it's called Ray Ramps Omnichannel Approach Amid Surging Demand for Lab-Grown Diamonds. So Ray, you've probably heard of this direct-to-consumer fine jewelry brand. The president and CEO, Mona Akavi, recently spoke with the publication Payments about consumer spending behavior on diamond jewelry, even while doubt and uncertainty in the economy prevails. She said that, at least for the company Vray, during the holiday season 2022, gifting diamond jewelry was big. And many of their categories around gifting diamond jewelry grew by two times year over year this holiday season. At least according to Akavi and what Vray has seen in their business, quote, Lab-grown diamonds are what consumers, especially millennial consumers, are leaning towards. 70% of millennials want to know the provenance of diamonds, and many are flocking to lab-grown. While it began as a digital-first direct-to-consumer brand, the company has since built showrooms in New York, Chicago, San Francisco, and other cities worldwide. And Akavi says that customers are curious to see lab-grown diamonds in person, so they feel more comfortable about making a purchase. And this also, going back to storytelling and why this connects, this allows the brand to continue control and deepen the storytelling around their product by having these impersonal interactions in store. Also, one story that they're telling is how Vray controls its supply chain end-to-end. It can make sourcing assurances that shoppers want. Also, the more like interactive visual part of the storytelling. So they've decked out showrooms with projectors and screens for messaging, information, and education. And then a more like non-traditional element of storytelling that they're utilizing is strategic partnerships. This has helped them tell and distribute their story. So they just launched Brides Magazine Valentine's Day collection. And um, Akavi says that Brides Magazine has been an incredible partner for them because it's exactly the type of audience that's been looking for products like ours. So through this strategic partnership, they're able to amplify their story. My main takeaway is, Even if you don't have the same resources that Vray has available, how can you think about perfecting your brand storytelling for your target customer and then finding ways to communicate it uniquely, whether that's in-person interaction, more interactive content on your website, more video content on social media, whatever that may be. The next article comes from CNBC, and it's called Gen Z is driving luxury sales as wealthy shoppers get younger. So this article from CNBC is spotlighting research from Bain & Co. 
saying that millennials and Gen Z accounted for all of the luxury market's growth last year. Why? Social media, as well as a surge in wealth creation, means younger customers are shopping for luxury. Still, inflation may be curbing general consumer spending, but it doesn't seem to be making a dent in luxury sales, which seem to be going unscathed. So purchases by some of the newest consumers expected to grow three times faster than older generations over the next decade, according to a new report. Gen Z consumers are starting to buy luxury goods, everything from designer handbags and shoes to watches, jewelry, apparel, and beauty products at age 15. (laughs) Wow, (laughs) I didn't have money to do that when I was 15, but okay, cool. Buying luxury shoes and handbags online has become much more accessible in recent years as luxury companies have embraced online sales and a host of secondhand luxury good websites have emerged. Why am I talking about this? What is my main takeaway? If you classify your jewelry in the luxury category or even fine jewelry, I think it may be a really good time to take a hard look at your customer personas and ask yourself if they're really representing all possible demographics. I think traditionally, some of these brands think, oh, we only cater to like 35 plus or even 40 plus because those are the people with the money, they're more established in their careers, they want to treat themselves with like these non-essential items, but you may, have a shot at consumers who are younger than you thought could be buying from you, especially if you're able to really nail down and tell a story about your brand that resonates with them. And the last article comes from Rob Report, and it's called How Cartier's New Vintage Program Restores and Resells Coveted Watches and Jewelry. So this interesting article explains how Cartier tells an important story of long-lasting tradition, how their designs and quality have withstood the test of time. So this program called Cartier Tradition was first conceived in 1996, and at that time it was Cartier's way of selling their vintage pieces. By now, there's actually a huge demand from customers for these vintage pieces from the vault, so much so that Cartier has actually decided to expand on and like blow out the original program. So according to the article, quote, it has grown from a handful of pieces distributed across its marquee storefronts to an inventory large enough to fill a wing of an exhibition space. While some items are still still displayed behind vitrines in store, most of the pieces ranging in price from $20,000 and up are shown to select VIP clients around the globe during high jewelry presentations. So in terms of storytelling, this program also shows how committed the brand is to quality and to upholding certain standards. The article says the house is so detailed in its restoration process that it can take months to source the correct materials for quality and historical accuracy. My main takeaway is I love when a jewelry business's initiative or offering to its customers 
not only provides an important desired service, as has been shown with this one, which has been in greater demand recently, but also furthers the brand values as well as the brand storytelling. And I think Cartier has really achieved this with its tradition program. So what did you think? Do you have any questions about Jewelry Marketing Jumpstart? You can always email me Larissa, that's L-A-R-Y-S-S-A at joyjoya.com. If you love this podcast, please share it with a friend who'd appreciate it. And don't forget to subscribe as well as leave a review on Apple Podcasts. If you're completely new to digital marketing, then you will want to purchase and read a copy of my book, Jewelry Marketing Joy. Visit joyjoya.com book for more information.